Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everyone, welcome back to Around the Coin. This is a uh, a special day today. We have myself, Faisal, and Brian all on the show for the first time in probably you know months at this point. Uh, which I'm, I'm really excited to be talking to you guys again. Uh, Faisal, how are you doing, man? And uh, Good morning, sir. Good to have you here. Uh, I think it's been about five months, five, six months maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Brian, we had a great pre-show, and uh, today uh, we're going to be diving into the world of, of ICOs and Bitcoin and, and crypto and everything that's been happening lately. Today, I, I suppose we should mention the date, just because it's probably relevant for, for listeners. Sunday... December 10th in the morning, we're recording this, uh, which I guess current Bitcoin valuation today is what? $15,708. Yep. <laughs> yep. Good morning yep. to you, Brian. Uh, good morning. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What a ride, guys. Um, for those long-term listeners, uh, I think I did a historic back and uh, I think during our first show, Bitcoin was around $200 and- Everybody thought it was, guess what? A tulip mania bubble, you know, and it went all the way up to about $1,000 and it crashed and it was all over. And people forgot about it. And some of our listeners didn't and they accumulated while wow, it was two to three to $400 over the years. And now it peaked up to 17,000 just a couple of days ago. Why? What what happened? I mean, what was the what was the different stages? What's what happened at different points that caused a skyrocket? Because it was sitting there for years, you know, way under a thousand, you know, hundred in the hundreds. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, boom! I mean, what what do you think caused that? Something had to. Happen. Great question, Mike. I have my I have my own theory, and it's based upon a group of physicists and mathematicians from uh, JPL that I've uh, put together. All, most of them from JPL that I've put together. Uh, gosh, even before the first shows, uh, and we were just talking about how currency will look in the future and how it would be mathematically based for a lot of logical reasons. It was self-serving because these are mathematicians, but it seemed to be the, the the directional because of computers and and such, and the fact that bullion uh, prices are going to flatten as we mine asteroids. This is, Again, these are JPL engineers. We all, we already know that we're going to be mining asteroids. And at some point, sooner or later, we won't hold value in gold. Gold will be plentiful, absolutely abundant. So the, the next question would be, where would money go? Where would money go to try to preserve wealth and transfer wealth into the future? Not, not, as, a curren- not as a currency to spend necessarily uh, immediately. If you notice over the years, we, we talk about currency in two different ways on the show. and you know, I've always seen Bitcoin more like a gold uh, scenario, maybe Litecoin more like silver, where you could actually get coins out of it. And of course, since then, it's changed radically. So why is it happening? Um, uh, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, the most recent reason is the futures market in the United States are now going to allow Bitcoin futures to be uh, bought and sold. And um, I won't give a long lecture about futures market. I urge anybody who is interested and doesn't know to read up on it. There's a number of really good books out there or or this free. Uh, The futures market is designed for uh, essentially allow producers of a commodity to be able to normalize the price 
by allowing speculators, because they're more or less speculating on the future of something, the directional price, to buy into the future delivery of a product, but they never quite take delivery most of the time. And this would be hog bellies, it would be, uh, you know, oil, wheat, uh, all kinds of future markets that were opened up in the Midwest, Chicago, primarily in the United States. And um, that helps farmers, it helped producers. It also hurt them if they didn't understand how the markets worked. So Bitcoin is, is doing that. Now, the interesting part about that is, is not the futures themselves. I, it will make some money. I'm more uh, activated on the fact of the recognition of Bitcoin by the financial markets. That's number one. And number two, the ability for large funds to drop money into Bitcoin without having um, to well, right now it's very hard for public funds, teachers funds, and unions to put money directly into Bitcoin for a lot of different reasons. It's too new. It's too speculative. It can get people fired. Uh, but there's no problems with them buying actively traded futures. So that means a lot of money is going to drop into the market. That means there's a supply and demand scenario. And if you look at it through the lens of gold, and this is where I was pretty much sold on Bitcoin. Um, my rocket scientist team, if you will, they looked at Bitcoin through the lens of gold and they said, what would it look like if 10% of gold investments, just 10% world gold investments moved into Bitcoin? Well, it's hard to get exact numbers, but the value of each Bitcoin was approaching nearly a million dollars with game theory involved. Uh, without game theory involved, say, $500,000, $300,000. And again, these mathematicians use game theory all the time in their work and they, you know, they're playing with chaos theory and, and strange attractors and things of that level. And all these things are quite relevant to understanding it. Now, some people say, Brian, that's such a tag. It's hard to understand. It really isn't. What it basically says in the game theory scenario is if, if enough people believe that gold uh, is no longer as solid as a way of transferring wealth, maintaining wealth, and maybe even growing their wealth, and you get 10% moving into that market, that inertia itself will create a mania, will create more and more um, rising in the price of each Bitcoin. And that's we haven't seen that happen yet. And that's what's up ahead. So when I hear people say, is it too late? Is it a bust? Is it a bubble? If you look at the long Bitcoin chart, every time you see a spike up and a spike down, at the top of that spike were people saying it's a bubble and it's going to crash. So, so Brian, to, to point out a couple of points there, uh, so, the, so the fact that the, the government allows futures trading, uh, I'm mean, just pulling out the key, the key cliff notes here. The futures trading... Do you think the investment from, say, sovereign wealth funds, large institutional investors in the past have contributed to the spikes? And then, you know, whether it's rounding errors from investors just putting in, you know, five, ten percent of their portfolio into Bitcoin, it, it seems like those those things together have kind of led to the run up. And there likely is no structural reason to it. There's no, I, I don't think, uh, you know, adoption by any major. Uh, you know, company like Amazon didn't all of a sudden release Bitcoin as a as a means to pay for it, and it skyrocketed. Kind of just uh, was was a combination of those things together. Yeah, you know, I I think looking for indicators of Bitcoin being used as a payment system right at this moment is a wrong indicator. Bitcoin as an investor vehicle, as a speculative investor vehicle. Right, you put money in there that you are that I call entertainment expense. Right, this is money you would have spent going to the movies or or uh, a vacation maybe or something like that. If you're using that type of mentality, then the ups and downs are fun for you. Right, if you're putting all your life savings in it, you know you might do well. I've unfortunately, unfortunately, have known people who put their life savings in it, and some are exceeding. You think you think more and more as more and more people take out their money from say ETFs and mutual funds and start buying crypto assets instead, you know, just from the advantage of, you know, maybe wanting to enter the market or the lower fees, higher liquidity, you know, all the advantages intrinsic in crypto. Uh, does that continue to push it higher to a point where 
you know, we see, because if you look at the numbers and the number of investors in Bitcoin, I forget the numbers off the top of my head, uh, but it's, it's astronomically small compared to the total, total number of people in the market. Um, Faisal, I'd be curious to pull you in on this and, and get your take on it. Do you, do you think that's a contributing factor? I mean, do you think we have some interesting monumental movements going in this direction? Like we're just at the t- tip of the iceberg in terms of people coming into the market and thus it's undeniable to think that we're going to continue on this run. I think my take is that uh, all this ICO movement that's been happening, you can't really go and buy coins. Uh, if you have an ICO, you basically have to buy Ethereum. And how do you buy Ethereum? Well, the easy way is to buy Bitcoins and then convert it to Ethereum, which you know gets you all these access to all these ICOs taking place. I think that was, in my opinion, the driver that led to a lot of Bitcoin trades because the entry to the ICO party was either through Ethereum and Bitcoin. Not many people know how to buy Ethereum uh, directly from any exchanges. They know how to buy Bitcoin and Bitcoin is more prevalent and so forth. That, you know, took us to level two, if you will, so that, you know, everyone was now asking about Bitcoins and now, you know, people are buying coins, uh, you know, all the ICO coins through Bitcoin and that drove the prices higher. And I think that also drove the awareness high. And that was maybe a cascaded event or something. And, you know, more and more people got involved. And I think we broke critical mass sometimes after August this year. That's my theory. I think ICO craze uh, prompted the awareness of Bitcoin. Now it's that, is it a bubble? That's the main thing, you know. Um, And that's the question that everyone will have a tough time answering. My my take on that is, you know, if you're it is it's like physics, right? So, you know, imagine the world of physics before a certain time. And then at one point in time, suddenly gravity was discovered. And imagine the world of physics after that time. So all the equations changed, everything changed. I think the same thing is happening with respect to the classical economics, right? There wasn't no cryptocurrency. It was all intermediary, you know, all intermediary based. Uh, you know, you had institutions that were holding on to it. Now, individuals can hold on to their wealth. So I think the equation has changed. Can that bubble theory graph variable equation still be applicable on Bitcoin? I don't know. Do, do, you, do you think that it's a reasonable analogy to make with the bubble? I'm just saying that there in in crypto especially bitcoin there is no intrinsic value built behind it so any valuation that's placed upon the currency is purely speculative of what people think it's worth just like gold where it's not being used for as a as opposed to a stock say like tesla where people are trying to value the market size and opportunity so let me go back and i did go back by the way and i said okay what if this was the seventh year or the eighth year since money got invented if money got invented in the eighth year, what would it be? Would it be speculative in nature? You can bet it would be. <laughs> yeah. um, if the, when the gold rush happened in the eighth or ninth year, do you think the, uh, you know there would be speculators all around? You can bet it would be. So I think the speculative angle is definitely there. It will remain there. But also at the same time, you have to understand that this is a very new and a different type of currency. It's a very different type of wealth management or asset management or, or or wealth or value transfer and the classical arguments or the classical you know definitions may not apply to it we may try to forcefully juxtapose the bubble analogy over here but at the same time you know if it's let's let's not say it's a bubble let's say it's an inflated price but remember what's the total outreach over here how many people own it a million, two million, ten million, fifteen million. How many people have access to the U.S. dollar? Just think about that. So, if let's say ten percent of the world population got on Bitcoin, where do you think the price will go? Sky high. So, I don't think the bubble analogy is hundred percent accurate. It could very well be. I mean, you have very, very learned economists telling you that this is a bubble. This is a bubble. This is a bubble. Well, how, how could they how could they base that on any reality? I mean, if you look at the say the two thousand eight stock stock market crash, the, 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 the stock market crash was based on actual numbers and projected value for the for the real market, and you know there's valuation baked into your everyday life. Here, it's just you know. I I, I looked at an interview of one of the Federal Reserve uh, and the FDIC, and they say, well, 
What is the, the United States fiat dollar? Well, it's backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. That was a really cool statement. Backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. Do you know what that basically says? That you can take your dollar and go back to the United States government and get four quarters from it. You can get, you know, 100 cents from it, but that's all about it. You can exchange your U.S. dollar for all the credit or all the fiat that the U.S. government publishes. That's that's what, what full faith and credit of the United States dollar means. Whoever owns the dollar bill can pay a debt, a government debt only, by the way. Uh, but other than that, if, you, if, if that... If there was no faith and credit of the United States government behind it, you couldn't pay any commercial debt with it. So if you take a fiat, a paper, uh, which says $100, it basically has zero value. It's just that we have agreed for hundreds of years or maybe, I don't know, hundreds of years, or maybe it is hundreds of years, that this $100 has a value and the value is X. Likewise, if we had 100 years with Bitcoin, Bitcoin itself would have a value. What value does the dollar note have or the fiat note have? None, none whatsoever. It's not even backed by gold. Well, well, it's- well it does. It, well, I will point out that it does ride the, the like the traditional economy behind it. So if the if you're Acceptance, bullish in the U.S. Right? economy, Acceptance. you'd be bullish of yeah the U.S. Except- dollar. Whereas you could you could you could draw some macroeconomic theories to say, well, you know, the amount of uh, debt in the economy and the, you know the the housing prices and the debt for college education and these trends and this trends we think we don't we don't believe the economy in the U.S. is going to be you know as strong as it is today in 20 years. Therefore, I'm going to short the U.S. dollar. You could make a rational statement along those lines. I'm not sure there's the same statement to be made in Bitcoin. It's just hey, this thing you know kind of independently sitting in the world is worth X. I think it's worth this. It's sort of I haven't heard any real views that kind of so, yeah, sink you know, into it. It's, it's, like the great la- it's like the Great Lakes, right? Someone is holding a cup of water and say, what's that? Well, that's cryptocurrency. <laughs> oh, man. Seriously, look at the Great Lakes. I mean, seriously, you're going to compete against that. And, you know, it was no competition. And so you see some guy holding a pool, a swimming pool in the Olympics. I said, what's this? Cryptocurrencies. No, no, nothing, you know. And then suddenly it was, you know, a town by the size of Chicago, you know, What's that? Cryptocurrencies. Now, now you're getting to a reasonable fraction of the economy. And that's when we started, you know, when, when people started making the analogies that, you know, cryptocurrencies have now bypassed, Bitcoin has bypassed the market cap of PayPal. I think that was one of the first ones where people started taking notice. It has more market cap than Coca-Cola now. It has more market cap more than, than the Visa top three right automobiles. More than Visa. Or, or, or Visa. Yeah. Or, or the top uh, three, I think, uh, Detroit manufacturers and so forth, or, or, or Boeing or something, you know, it, it, it's getting there. But but don't you also feel that the comparison is one that is disproportionate right now? I think it's an you I, have, I think it's inaccurate. You know, l- listen, if we could, and, and and it's still growing, Brian. Yeah. Right? I mean, so you have something of of a cell or of a membrane in in a petri dish, and you have a tree. Can't really compare the apples on both. They're inaccurate uh, analogies. And here's something that we have to understand: we're in a we're in a bubble. And I'll tell you what the bubble is. It's called the one percent technologist bubble. All of us, pretty much everybody listening to the show, more or less, uh, and certainly all three of us are in the technology bubble. We think the rest of the world knows exactly what we do, and they don't. Uh, 99% of the world has no clue what Bitcoin really is. They haven't even ne- ever heard of it. Now, the same could be said about the internet. Now, imagine if you could buy a share price of the internet. Imagine you can buy a single share of that in 1995 or 1992. And what would it look like? It would look like a lot of bubbles. It would look like the AOL bubble, the email bubble, the uh, dot-com boom and bust, the Amazon quote-unquote bubble. I mean, some people call Amazon a bubble. Right. They still think it's a bubble. And meanwhile, Jeff Bezos is one of the wealthiest people on the planet, most, uh, apparently one of the most successful e-commerce companies. So the problem is we're trying to use old analogies from a physical world onto a, uh, virtual world and the analogies don't fit. And the problem is sometimes the analogies do make sense and sometimes they don't. The problem really comes down to, which ones are those uh, analogies? And most people don't know that until ex post facto. So here's how I see it. 
if more and more people like, all right, they would always say when a shoe shine boy in, uh, in New York City told me he was buying stock, that's when I knew it was time to sell. And yeah, that was stock. That was stock into a company that couldn't possibly have ever supported the, po- the, 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 the prospects of getting the sales to the level that they were going to get sales to. Bitcoin is not a company. Bitcoin is an investment vehicle. And as long as people are willing to believe it's going to go higher, sounds like a pyramid, but it isn't because that's almost any type of currency or any type gold or silver, whatever, it will continue to do that. The difference I think with Bitcoin is it doesn't have the possibility of crashing at this point down to quote unquote zero. Here's a couple of reasons why. There's no way to get your money out easily. So if it goes down, you're stuck. You're in an elevator with no brake. And if it goes all the way down, thank your lucky stars because it's going to bounce back up because almost nobody can get their money out quickly enough. That's the reality. It's not as liquid as most people would realize. And if you look at the last, yeah, I don't know, last three or four days, if people, oh my God, look at that Bitcoin price. I wish I could have gotten out. I wish I could have gotten in up and down. Reality is those peaks, there's no way you could have sold. And the valleys, there's no way you could have gotten out on the way out. Not, not to mention the hundred or two hundred thousand transactions in queue. Well, right now the mem, the mem, it's called the mempool, right? And us miners attack the mempool, and a lot of times it's spammed. Right now, it's being spammed to a level I've never seen before. Yeah. Uh, and what does it mean, Brian? Let me interject there. What does it mean to be spammed, and why is that happening? Okay, so it's. Uh, well, there's a lot of different speculations on why somebody would spam the mempool, uh, primarily. It was just the, the, the quick, yeah, quick, quick okay, version so of it. I don't want to break your chain. The is, is the transaction queue. Uh, the transaction fees are a way to prove that you're not a spammer. So if you're willing to g- give uh, miners, I don't know, for, let's say, a, a block of um, transactions, say, $700 to, 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 to quote-unquote solve this you know, this block, uh, you know, and I'm giving a high number. It's not always that high, but it is much higher than most people realize. Then we as miners look at it and say, yeah, we'll take that. And if it turns out there's no Bitcoin inside of that to uh, build onto the blockchain, fine, we made $700 and we move on. Um, But some of the really bad spammers just put out there with almost no transaction fees. And basically those, those blocks never get built into the blockchain. They just sit out there. So that's why right now Bitcoin as something where you could send, you know, a penny or a dollar, it's impossible. Some of the transaction fees would be as high as $16 to try to get it solved. You're not going to get that happening. So it's, it wasn't, and I knew this years ago, it was not designed to be the, the nano or micro transaction system. It's some derivative would have had to have been made. And that's just the nature of mining and all that. But getting a step back, why would somebody do that? To try to slow it down. You know, if if the mempool wasn't being messed with right now, Bitcoin would be at just around seventeen thousand dollars, maybe maybe even twenty thousand um, dollars. Somebody somebody wants the velocity of money flying in there to slow down. So here's what happens: Coinbase crashed probably about a hundred times over the last two weeks. Every time it crashes, Bitcoin drops, and that's because people can't buy. They're not buying because basically what happens is the great the great mass of sentiment is buying. And so when a buying opportunity is turned off, naturally what happens is there's no buyers. So it is easily manipulated, but that's short term. The trajectory is, in my view, going up. And again, I'm not an advisor. I'm just telling you what my views are and take that for a grain of sand and go back to our original shows. I was saying the same thing. Hopefully some of you are listening right now. Um, It's, it's it's like this. As it becomes more uh, liquid, uh, as it becomes more capable of people buying in, the directional you saw, if you look at the charts, just from April 7, uh, 2017 till now, will look minor in comparison. The big problem is- Oh, a nice little pun there. I see what you did. What's that? Uh, <laughs> minor. Yeah. Uh, with respect to the other coins, uh, where, where do you guys see, you know, you walk through market cap, Bitcoin currently at 262 billion, and then it drops down Ethereum 43 billion, 22 is Bitcoin cash, 
twelve billion nine seven five and so on. Where, where do you see you know if you're if you're distributing across this? How do you even think about investing? Well, in this? Mike, before you dive uh, into there, I want to ask you what's your view because you've asked us. I want to hear you because you've, uh, you've been around this. Yeah, I, I think of it as uh, what, what would be what would be the intrinsic value for it. Where, where have you been on it? Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin. I think of Bitcoin as like how it fits into the piece, the other pieces of the puzzle. So, what does Litecoin offer? What does Ethereum offer? What does Bitcoin offer? And what are people trying to do? If you if you if you kind of pull above the day to day trading of you know looking at prices and indexes and market caps and think like what what are we what what's the high level macroeconomic value that's being provided? You know, people are people want a place to store money. They want a place to store money that increases over time, but not so volatile that you know, it goes way up and way down because it gives them a heart attack. Then you want like some intermediary medium of exchange in Ethereum where you can purchase things uh, like participate in ICOs, participate in, you know, the smart contracts of the world where you have uh, complex complex uh, exchanges, uh, monetary exchanges that are being made. And then you maybe want, uh, you know, you want a way to, way to buy coffee. So you have, you know, ultra fast, uh, let's say Litecoin or I don't know if Ripple is going to fit in this bucket, but you want a way to purchase something great. Yeah, Bitcoin Cash, exactly. Yeah, and then what else you may want to do? Maybe you want like, um, uh, maybe you want a way to invest in maybe there's international funds or ways to send money across the world, and you know. So I think each one of these, as they fit into their little segments, will virtually satisfy different human needs that we have. So I think of what are the human needs? Well, you want to buy currency, you want to you know hold it, you want stored value, you want a way to exchange. Um, and develop very complex uh, 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 transaction mechanisms, and then you want you know to be able to have purchase very quickly. So as you think of more things that people are going to want, and you probably could do this by looking at the market today, saying what currently exists, uh, and what what do the markets have, and what are the where do the markets fall short today? Which is probably going to be the area where you know cryptocurrency could largely uh, skyrocket past the the currency markets today. <laughs> So I, I sort of think of that, and then then it would be which which of the currencies currently fit into each of those buckets. You know, what, what's it seems like Bitcoin is the outlier. Uh, that could definitely change. I almost think you you end up making the most money by betting on the things that other people aren't betting on. So you know, Bitcoin today is the obvious bet to continue that stored value category, Ethereum, Litecoin. But with the others, I'm interested in thinking like what other areas of human need do we have, and and how are they satisfy that well you know you can take the the conversation into the greater blockchain right um bitcoin is is an investment it's a yeah, blockchain exactly. track technology which is more or less a database a ledger and the question is what won't it touch um you know i've hung around with a lot of the uh, early uh, ether folks uh, a lot of the early blockchain folks and They've always advocated one thing. Ultimately, what we know of the internet today will ultimately become a blockchain. And so, in a sense, Bitcoin is sort of the grandfather of that. And it's sort of, in a way, buying a share into that future. Now, whether it directly relates to it or indirectly, I mean, Faisal made such a great point that it, Bitcoin became and will continue to become a gateway into a lot of ICOs and a lot of other coins. I mean, as it stands today, there are thousands of coins. Some are mineable, some are just imaginarily built. Now, I, I, I come down in two different directions on this. Mineable coins mean means this, and this is so important for economists to understand, so important for speculators, so important for people in the tech world to understand. I mean, I know people in the tech world that know everything about tech, but they miss this one point. Here, here it is. Keep it in a nutshell. It's very simple, Brian. All right, here it is. Mining a coin means that somebody is taking electricity, computer power, and making a market on a coin that did not exist before. So they are the market maker, or let's use an analogy. They're the farmer who takes the seed, and they look at the seed and they say, I hope the conditions are right where I put the seed in the ground and the water and the sun and the soil will produce a crop sometime into the future. And all I want to do is make sure that I can produce enough revenue and maybe some profit so I can do the same thing next year. That's what a lot of miners think like. It's not what some people would imagine that they're sitting together with their hands rubbing, you know, oh, let's, let's bust this coin out. Let's, let's do a pump and dump. 
most miners are not into that mindset. Now, do coins pump, go high, and then dump and go down? Yeah, go look at the charts at crypto, a coin market cap, right? And there are coins there that still exist that were quote unquote pump and dump, but they still have value. It's still liquid and people are still trading it and there's people still mining it. The miner is the market maker, they're the farmer, they're producing their they're producing the the raw goods for the marketplace. Now, when you're creating a token, what you're now doing is you're completely unhinging it from any work being done, right? You're unhinging it from anybody expending any energy. I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. But what I am saying is the things that temper the growth and the potential failure of a particular token is now based upon the white paper or the outline, if you will, of the founders who have put that token out there. There are an immense opportunities there. There are also immense, uh, and I've always said it in the show, immense opportunities to get scammed. Um, now, I'm not saying there is no scam scams going on with some of these um, minor coins that are being uh, put out there. Uh, some Some are. But at the end of the day, if you look at these charts, you can go to coin market cap and you can go and do the click on the 24 hour change. And I just did that. And there's a, a company or sorry, a uh, coin called R- Raya blocks, right? And it's, um, uh, 13,000, no, sorry, 133,000 XRBs, uh, in circulating supply. The volume was $3 million. The price is $1. It went up by 44%. So what 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 poses the biggest uh, biggest threat? Let's say there's an existential threat to the market as a whole or individual coins. Uh, Neo obviously yeah. was affected. The uh, Chinese uh, decided to, <laughs> to, to to instrument a, uh, a national ruling that there'll be no ICOs for a while. Where do you see as the things? What are the black swans in the market where people you know kind of run their models? They have their predictions on where things go and then all of a sudden the world goes a completely different direction and no one else saw it coming what, what could be those um the factors it crash that the market that, or that to make reality. it go even higher either way yeah either way it just it either never grows it grows way quicker than people are expecting or way slower than people are expecting i mean what what causes the market to go in a direction i, that I, th- no one I is think it's already thinking? growing way quicker than most are speculating and and we haven't seen anything yet and th- that's just based on the fact that most people don't even know about it, but there must be on that point though there must be an upper ceiling like the, like to think that you know you you pose certain propositions say bitcoin goes to a million dollars well what does that mean for the market cap well that would mean you know bitcoin may be worth more than the u.s economy is that a reality that you think could happen in the next absolutely five years or is that just so big that there is some there's some ceiling there wherein you know i don't know i mean it, you know you have to kind of ask yourself those gut check questions because the, the price does back into a, re, a fundamental reality um you know you talk about a bubble that would be one way you could look at it and say do we think bitcoin intrinsically brings more value than all of the u.s dollars combined at its current state but, with you know, transaction volume. The thing the, is, the, the, yeah, the, and I hear you, Mike. The, the thing is, is that we're making these either or scenarios when we're doing these bubble analogies. Either it's U.S. dollars or it's Bitcoin. That's that reality is never going to happen. It's yeah, never- I don't think that. I don't think so. It's yeah. that binary. You know, it, it, it's more of exactly. fuzzy logic. Certain things may come in, you know, and certain things may not. But it's it's also very important to understand, you know. It's just a mindset issue, right? So what if the entire world today, including the United States government and every, and everyone says, okay, Bitcoin is it. Suddenly you, know, you have legitimacy and the coin's okay then, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I, or, there's, there's a lot of ways to look at it. First off, Bitcoin is international. So it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look at I, – I, I go back to my rocket scientists. All right, you can do this calculation of what is the work product output of every human being on the planet. And then imagine if that was on the blockchain. How much, and imagine if it was Bitcoin. Mm. Do you want to know how much each Bitcoin would be worth? Over $2 trillion minimum without any game theory. So the upper limit is very, very, very high. Um, You know, $1 million Bitcoin Sounds incredibly crazy right now because we're trying to use a matrix of this versus that. 
I don't think there's going to be any verses. I think all of these things are going to coexist in just the same way that, you know, the internet coexists with physical businesses, right? Did the internet, there were people who thought the internet would put every single physical business out of business. It didn't really happen until mobile started taking over and then it had a small ding. But 80% of all transactions take place in retail business, 80% throughout the world. And this is, you know, some 30 years of hacking away at it. Does that make the internet less valuable? No. Did it really hurt that much retail? Yes and no, but in ways that were more political. You know, a lot of the jobs in the United States or, you know, there was movement of, you know, jobs around the world that maybe in retrospect wasn't a good idea. I don't know. But at the end of the day, there was a synergy between the two. A, a good example is Amazon bought a Whole Foods Market. Who would have known that in the 90s, in the early 2000s? You would have said, hold it. They're going in another direction. And I think we need to do that same logic when we're thinking about these uh, coins, is they are going to coexist. They're going to interact within each other. But there's one thing I know for certain. Bitcoin will always be a preeminent aspect of this. There is nothing that's going to move past it. And there's a lot of game theory reasons behind that. It has nothing to do with its technology. It has everything to do with human psychology. And there's very little that's going to do to change that. And uh, again, just... Research game theory, research human psychology, go down to cognitive biases, and you'll start realizing there's a legitimacy factor that will come from this. So the 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 primary bet is going to be on Bitcoin, but the secondary bets are going to be immensely huge. You know, again, we could talk tokens, which are somewhat different. They're more, more of a direct investment vehicle. That is the existential threat for the capital markets, right? More than Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go down that road. I mean, what ICOs are now being more and more prevalent, and and the amount of money. I mean, we had the Tezo CEO on the show uh, back in June, I think it was, and this was, I think it was just. And correct me if I'm wrong, Faisal. I, I know you uh, you've been closer with her since then. It was it was just before the ICO. Is that correct? And then since then, it's been a wild ride. Yeah. So it was before the ICO. She raised 250 million which is now somewhere in the north of 400 million um and you know the whole ico thing has just gone crazy but you know on the existential threat i want to make one comment what you know the biggest threat is not banks losing out blah 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 i mean those all threats will remain but i think the biggest threat is taxation i mean you have to look at taxation the ability to tax uh, the ability to park your wealth just uh, evaporates. I, you know, I traveled from Pakistan to to Istanbul, and on leaving Pakistan, the customs officer asks me, "Am I carrying more than ten thousand dollars in cash?" He asks me that very specific question: "Am I carrying more than ten thousand dollars in cash?" And I said, "No." But I laugh on the inside. You know, I could be carrying a USB with a million dollars in bitcoins, and there's nothing. Wow, in- that's so true. And there's nothing. It almost makes the question so obsolete, right? It, 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 exactly, and there's nothing they can do about it. And it's a and it's a double edged sword. Governments that ban Bitcoin can only ban their currency to be used against Bitcoin. They can't do anything else. They can't ban Bitcoin. They say we can't use my currency, and to that buy keeps you that out of the thing. market. Right? How do you and ban something that keeps your you currency from being? At- Yes. Yeah, but the, but the fact of the money is the fact of the matter is you can park your money and and believe me, opportunists will come. You know, your your Indiana Jones will prop up. There'll be people will you know your, your border crossers will prop up, who will take fiat money in an economy and give you untraceable coins on the other economy. And what is and it's not Bitcoin coins like Monero. Yes. You know, yeah. those are the kind of coins. Dash and so forth. The, the, the version 2.0 and the version 3.0. Imagine what version 5.0 of the cryptocurrency would look like. That's my question. And then the question to ask is, in that environment, what role is the government playing? What role is taxation playing? Taxation is, how old of a concept is it? Yeah. A thousand years? Two thousand? So, so let's, let, let's, t- 
Let's take a look at that real quick. Yeah, it does, That's where yeah. user taxes start coming in, right? Let, let's, uh, and again, we're, we're not tax experts and we're not economists, but what, let's imagine, right? I know some people uh, who are Bitcoin multimillionaires and they were living basically hand to mouth uh, less than two years ago. And they are now moving that money into the economy. Uh, they pay taxes on it, by the way. I mean, they every time they convert it into cash, they're paying taxes and they're doing that. But they're also buying homes for their parents. They're buying automobiles, not luxury, just a car to get around where they didn't have one. Uh, they're um, opening small businesses. I know one person opened up a yogurt shop, a uh, frozen yogurt shop, because he liked this frozen yogurt. He used to have to have drive 10 miles and he goes, what the heck? I'll open one in town. He, You know, this is a guy that, didn't finish uh, college and, uh, you know, was, was working at McDonald's a couple of years ago and he opened up his own yogurt shop. He is enriching the local economy to a level that he could have never have enriched in any other epoch in any other time. So as an economist, somebody has to, you know, as, as a government planner, you have to take a step back and say, hold it. What do we want to do? Who do we want to crush? How do we want to crush these people? And, you know, how do we tax it? You know, is terrorizing somebody, putting them up against a wall or going to Coinbase and saying, give me all your papers. Let's see who's here. Let's let's gut them. Let's him in the kneecaps. You know, is that the right way to do it? Or is it maybe you have to rethink, like you said, a 5,000 year old concept of the way things were taxed? And I, I don't know. Value added taxes, uh, you know. Mm. You, let, let me pose a, just pose a hypothetical and you give me your, your reaction to it. So uh, a potential reality is that investors move out of traditional holdings in you know the market as we, we currently have it, or pre-crypto. They move out of that so quickly and into crypto that the tax revenues from traditional um, uh, tax mechanisms that the government has uh, set forth, compound, uh, comp- uh, compounded by the fact that the traditional companies uh, face headwinds from newly emerging block- blockchain-based companies using ICOs and their own tokens. Um, the U.S. circulation decreases because people are moving out. They're moving into stored value of Bitcoin. Uh, other governments start to – our government or other governments start to step in and they try to overregulate and thus negatively impact their own economies and in favor of, of other economies that are using the globally decentralized coins. And this causes a downward spiral of traditional mechanisms, like governments and, and companies pre-crypto in, in a way that, that leads to a worldwide. That is a real possibility, Mike. That? And that's why the old tactics of terrorizing, the old tactics of we're going to come down and we're going to come down hard on people who didn't do this or who didn't do that. Yeah, because today it seems like for the first time, to your point, Brian, you can't come down on people for this mechanism. Like to Faisal's point of walking through the security with, you know, USB or, or just, do- you know, oh, millions of dollars. Somewhere. You, you could be in a cloud drive. So yeah. it's in a cloud. So an attempt to inf- regulate that could end up in, in a way where, you know, proje- models are wrong, projections are wrong. The U.S., the, you know, not just U.S., but tax deficits increase so much because they can't make revenue. In fact, they're, they're like decreasing tax revenue. At the same time, there's, you know, they're causing, they're trying to overregulate and that causes actually less revenue. It, it is a, it is yeah, a very it, crazy moment, it, it, right? It, it, and, and this is where game theory really plays in. I mean, we're, we're all talking about chaos mathematics and game theory at this point. I, I, we're not talking about governmental and economic policy anymore. I mean, this is where, this is why a lot of very well read, noble, uh, prize winning economists have a problem is that they are using an older model and you know the 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 reaction is government's going to get mad and they're going to and they're going to regulate probably and 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 I can't I can't help yeah. in but interject you cho- talking about Joseph Stiglitz yeah. right who made the comment that it ought to be out, outlawed and it was uh it was so uh, how should I say it? it was so depressing to hear a learned person like him because I feel that he is going to be left out on it. Yeah, anyways, you know, uh, if, you look at, if you look at a lot of people, there is fear of missing out on all different levels. I mean, you know, all of us have been around the banking world. I was at Money 2020 and, you know, talking about a lot of things. I wasn't talking about coins necessarily, but everybody wanted to have that conversation and side conversations. And I'm talking about very, very high-ranking banking officials. Brian, how can I get in? 
I go, but you know, officially your bank is. Yeah, Faisal, have you seen this as well? I'm sure. So every every person I meet is either regretting my earlier posts or asking me how is it is it too late to get in? Is it too late? I keep telling them one thing. I said, listen, it's never too late. The market opportunity opportunities will always come in. Stop looking at you know, gold was once gold was once a couple of cents. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway stock at one time was a couple of cents. Apple stock at one time was a couple of cents. So was Microsoft. So was Google. Stop crying over what happened in the past. If you want to get into it now, read up. Read up and understand what you're investing in. Don't just blindly put your money in. If you want to do the latter, let me yeah. give you my Bitcoin address. <laughs> you know, and send money. You know, convince. Wait, make make a case though. Why why shouldn't why should people read up? I mean, just to play devil's advocate there. What's the advantage? I mean, people. If everyone's bought in. And, you know, someone hears about this, they want to participate. I mean, what is reading? And, yeah, and okay, okay. And so, so, so reading is, okay, if I were to ask you, what's the difference between Litecoin? Uh, oh, okay, what's the difference between a corduroy jean and a linen trouser? You at least know the difference, right? Um, what would you wear on a hot summer day, a linen trouser or a thick corduroy jean? You would know the answer. It's un- it's understanding how to dress up for the investment. You need to understand what Litecoin does, what Monero does, what Bitcoin does, what the market cap is. You know, someone asks, oh, you know, uh, I, I, I think I should buy XRP from Ripple because it's going to go to $10. And then someone says, really, let me tell you what happens if it were to go to $10 in the next one year. If it were to go to $10, XRP or the company Ripple would have to have increase in market cap of, you know, X hundreds of billions of dollars in the next 12 months, which, by the way, historically, they've never had, even if we were to take. So, you know, reading up helps. It gives you visibility into what is right, what is wrong, why you're doing it, why you're not doing it. It gives you at least some sense. But going in blindly that just doesn't make I, I sense, agree, Faisal. Right? And, you know, let's take a couple of steps back for just the average person. You know, I think every human being on this planet has a right to be in, financially independent. And I believe that we're entering an epoch where that is possible. And there are a lot of economists say that that's not possible because what we did to get here, humanity, was to take the labor and the sweat of underclasses and to work them for the greater good, quote-unquote, of the upper classes. I'm not talking Marxism or capitalism here. I'm just talking about the realities. We are entering a world where if each person's output is equally available and distributed, say it on a blockchain, there is the possibility that the living standard of almost everybody will not only become fantastic, but fantastically wealthy. Now, again, economists say, well, that's an impossibility. It's finite resources. Of what? Of what? What is it? What is, uh, you know, anybody's flown. Yeah, imagine. Yeah, really, yeah. Anybody's flown over this world <laughs> has got a completely ridiculous view of reality if they think we're running out of land. What we're running out of is packing people vertically and horizontally in dense areas that we call cities that only made sense when people were toiling and needing to go somewhere to toil at something. You know, when you start looking at the world as being your power is where you stand and it's your knowledge, it's your ability to do stuff, not putting two things together because ultimately robots are going to do that. Machinery is what humans have been doing since day one. That's all we are is we're tool makers. If you want us, if you want a big, you know, marker for what humans are, humans are and always have been tool makers. And how do we make tools? We use our imagination. And that's how we've gotten out of everything. So, yeah. but, but hold on, okay. take a step okay. back about value creation. So we, there, are, there are folks, I'll tell you why my emotion is in this. There are folks I know that had very little opportunity and they plugged in a miner or they went and took their, a little bit of their paycheck and they bought into Litecoin, they bought into Bitcoin, they bought into other things. And today they are doing phenomenal. And I don't, feel that that story has ended. They thought it did. I mean, for a long time when Bitcoin was horizontal, I said, Brian, I don't know about this. It's just a couple of cents. It's a couple. It's like, you know something? This was just entertainment money for you. Let it ride. 
and some of those folks at 100 or 200 or 500 Bitcoins, yeah. where are they today? Now, this is not a lottery. It's not like they went and they yeah, went to crazy. Vegas. There is something behind this. There's electricity behind it. There's billions of dollars of hardware behind it. And that is creating a net. Uh, where is that safety net? You know, again, my 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 uh, rocket scientists say the safety net is just about three thousand to five thousand dollars right now. They can't fall below that, no matter what happens, because of the mining power that already has been expended and the mining power that needs to maintain it. Um, so, you know, can it go to zero? Of course, I'm not saying it can't, but I'm saying that is the existential bottom bottom line. Um, where is that? Well, let's take a look at the beginning of the year. That's significantly higher than where we started. Um, so what I'm saying is the real story about this is the egalitarian aspect that if you got friends, you got family, you have people who are not quote unquote in the tech world and they're trying to find a leg up. Who's, who's, who's listening to me that doesn't want to get a better life? Who doesn't want to do that? So. That's what this represents to the average person in the street is they want a better life. Yes, you do read up. You do try to understand it. You learn. Listen, read my challenge to anybody listening to me, read a book a week. No, I'll make it easy. A book a month about the future of currency because you need to be, you need to be financially astute about what the world is going to look like because you are going to be one of those participants. The, the, the difficult reality as well, though, is the, you know, the early adopters to Bitcoin are not, you know, uh, uh, African farmers. They are, you know, fairly affluent, probably largely male uh, you know, developers. Yeah, not all, not, not all of them. You know, one, of the, one of the people I just brought standards. up is a female that was uh, 29 years old, a uh, single mom, uh, a really bad divorce. And she took her waitress tips. Uh, everything that she could not, uh, you know, could not afford and put it into Bitcoin, uh, almost, well, she was one of our early, early listeners. So she now is no longer a waitress. She owns a freaking restaurant. So, and she had no opportunity, none. There was not a person on this planet that would have invested in her, uh, simply because of her background and her liability of having a young kid and all that. She turned her life around. And those are the stories that I think yeah. matter. And I think when we talk about it in a theoretical sense from economies and all that, that's fine. But I'm talking about what does this mean to real people? I don't see anybody hurt. Yeah, no, people will be yeah. crazy amounts of money. That is for sure. Uh, another, another. Here's one other um, kind of answering my own question. Why, why even bother to research the market and understand it? Um, this is this is from uh, EtheriumPrice.org. It says uh, invest in what you know. Ethereum is now covered exclusively in the MLM thanks to its unprecedented gains. The hysteria generated has driven new customers in into uh, invest in the crypto asset without doing much research at all. Uh, this is all well and good, uh, given that we're currently in a bull market. But when we inevitably hit downturns, those who do not understand the fundamentals of Ethereum will struggle to discern whether or not to sell. This actually played out in October 2017, last month, two months ago, when China announced its ban of ICOs. Many new investors who knew little about Ethereum were immediately panicked. Uh, what will Ethereum become if there are no more ICOs? Those following the development of Ethereum would have known that the ICOs happen to be a popular use case, but the real importance of the blockchain stretches into broad restructuring of social, economic, and political systems. Understanding the fundamental value of Ethereum in this case would have made the decision to hold uh, a more comfortable one. So to, to, <laughs> to answer that one, and Faisal kind of adding to your point, definitely read and understand what to invest in prior to diving I guess you got cut off there, Mike. What was the last part? Yeah, Mike. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, kind of adding to Faisal's point, you know, reading is just you know, so important I, before you dive I think into it's it. really important. I, I th uh, you know, if, if that was not the case, I think, you know, we wouldn't have menus in the world, right? Just, just You just don't go into a restaurant and just say, just, yeah, bring me that red plate, whatever it has in it, and I'll take it. You you got to read. It just gives you visibility. And that little bit of visibility mm -hmm. is all that you need to get going. But anyways, folks, we have one minute left. So, Brian, well, wrap it up. Uh, I, perhaps or with a with a, maybe a price well, I, I with a price indication I, for the end of the year. 
<laughs> yeah, or any, or any, any, anything you particularly like. Any rec, any not recommendations. That's a bad word. Any, yeah, any we can't do recommendations, and we won't uh, do recommendations. We should have that at the beginning yeah. and end of the show. You know, if you're looking at ICOs, uh, if you're looking at, you know. Who actually enforces that, by the way? Is that is that a real thing? Yeah, but I, 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 the that. FCC. There's going to be somebody that they're going to roll <laughs> out right. uh, on a perpetrator walk uh, to, to make an example of it. And, and uh, you know, you want to make sure you're putting your... Yeah, and, the, and that's and that's when we, you yeah. and I might go, doesn't yeah, that look like it, Brian or whatever? Any of us. Uh, it, yeah, we, yeah, we, are, yeah. we are just a, gu- a couple of guys talking about what we uh, think is interesting. That's all we do here. Um, you know, listen, the future... The future of tokens are going to be interesting for people. Uh, there are tokens out there that have some interesting aspects. Uh, App, App Coins is a token that's going to be um, coming soon, and it's got 200 million a- active users. I'm not invested in that right now, uh, so uh, just a disclosure. But, uh, you know, I'm giving, you know, in my app, uh, readmultiplex.com subscribers, I do talk about some of the things I might get involved in. I'm looking at in 2018, I might start just showing people what I'm doing. Uh, that that might be one of my, my avenues in the future, but you know what I'm excited over is this show has really had an impact on people being aware. I mean, we named it around the coin. Uh, we did it. What, how, how many years is it now? Is it we're running into four, three years? Three years, three years, four and years. we're going into and, a fourth. You know. I got to thank the listeners because we've been on a bit of a hi- hiatus and people have been very uh, urgent with me. What's going on? Patient. Yeah, very and, and very patient. And some They've of our early patient. listeners are the folks that have done very well. And, and to Mike's point, not all of them are males in the tech world. We've actually reached out to some people that are you know tech savvy, but just all around the world. And they listened to us and they said, Brian, what's this Litecoin thing? And I was you know saying I'm mining that when it was, you know, uh, what? Twelve dollars, you know. They look at Litecoin, one hundred and fifty-five dollars. Mm-hmm. Some people who have thousands of Litecoin because of the shows that we did that are very happy today. It's not Bitcoin, is it? No, it was Litecoin, and yes, and it's also not about uh, just buying into a coin. Now you can do proof of stake, proof of work, and not to mention arbitrage you mine a coin and then you can we turn did, that coin into shows. something else so there's so we many many ways of doing mining it, one know? coin to get to another you know so i would say this you know hopefully we'll, we'll be more regular on the shows and stuff you know you got to get down to where you want to be in your life who's ever listening to this uh i look at it this way if you take entertainment money and you put it into this skip a few movies a lot of them suck you walk out of this movie and you say, God, you know, I, I spent 40 bucks for my. Yeah. Put $20 into it. You know, yeah. I mean, just $20. Uh, just, just FYI, I gave someone um, uh, a, a, a couple of years ago, years ago, uh, I think emphasis is two years ago, I handed out $20 in Bitcoins to a lot of users. The one good thing I did it back then was I saved their recovery keys with me. They all lost <laughs> their uh, bitcoins. I recover. I recovered it for them, and suddenly you're know, looking at two hundred and fifty dollars, six hundred dollars, four hundred dollars, three hundred dollars, and they were so so happy about it. Now that the bitcoin thing is, uh, I got, so, I, if you're going to do those, I got to do another story. I, I have a, a friend who um, had a, a fairly decent car detailed by a good car detailer. He normally charged. Um, I think $300. I mean, this guy spends literally eight hours. It's just pristine. Uh, anyway, uh, the, the guy wanted, uh, this is back when Bitcoin was about $200. And the guy wanted um, uh, to give some Bitcoin and some cash. And, you know, the car de- detailer guy was like, yeah, I, I kind of heard about it, you know, sure. So I think he took $100 cash and $200 worth of uh, basically one Bitcoin. Um. He called up that detailer when Bitcoin was around $13,000. And he said, hey, remember I gave you Bitcoin? He goes, yeah, I lost it. He goes, no, you didn't. Here, here's all the information. I opened up a Coinbase. You know, here's how to open up a Coinbase. I'll, I'll send it to you. And here's somebody who got $13,000 for detailing a car. You know, so that's... Yeah, so the, the, lesson, the lesson here is if you're going to open and give some it. coins away for free... Make sure, please, that you have that recovery key so that if they lose Especially it, the Bitcoin you can bring pizza. it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I don't even want to get into that. But anyways, folks, 
Very nice, yeah, so Mike good. and Brian. Good to be on the air with you. We'll have this all and next week. Yeah, guys. Next week we'll talk some more about coins and the world of payments and growth hacking yes. and God knows what. Take care. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Okay, yep. take care. Have a good one. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Listen, there's a reason the ultra-wealthy have been investing in fine wine for centuries. Historically stable returns and a lack of volatility make it stand out compared to traditional assets, especially during a downturn. But now you can invest alongside with them with Vint. Vint is an SEC-qualified investment platform that offers shares of the most sought-after wines in the world. So join the thousands of investors diversifying with fine wine and spirits. Learn more at VINT.co. For full investment disclosure information and more, visit VINT.co.